It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. Uh, Rockets lost yesterday. He's blank on Branham. Uh, they were in Cleveland. It's tough to win back-to-backs in the NBA. It's difficult. That, that was not an easy game to win yesterday for the Rockets. They ended up losing it overtime, 135-130. Why did the Rockets use, lose yesterday, Blinkers? Uh, you know, I looked at it from a variety of different perspectives. Look, the third quarter, you were basically playing five on two. You had five, and you just got absolutely abused by Donovan Mitchell and, and uh, Max uh, Strauss. But late execution... I just, for the second game in a row, I was just questioning if they just decided that they had to try and do things differently or they they were attacking the Cavaliers for some reason differently than the way they've played all season long. I don't I don't really agree with Alpi taking the last shot. I don't like the fact that, again, that they, they seem to be stuck on the perimeter and they do a lot of pull-up, you know, long threes and, and, and kind of rushed shots where the defense has more guys down on the, that end of the floor than they do and they still have plenty of time on the shot clock. And I just don't know why all of a sudden they've kind of, whether it's just they're doing it intentionally or it's just kind of like that's what they're doing naturally as in the flow of the game. But I just don't like the way that they're trying to execute offensively. To me, it's one specific thing, and it's that they gave up 43 points in the third quarter. Uh, 42 points in the third quarter. You, and you, you touched on, like, who was killing you. you. You can't expect to win consistently in the NBA if you're giving up 42 points in a quarter Fact. of basketball. And this is this has been a Rockets team that's been way better defensively. So another team scoring 42 on you is like, whoa, what just happened? But it also shows you, like, what it takes to be good in the NBA, what it takes to rack up a ton of wins. Like, no one's expecting you to win a second leg of a back-to-back, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Like, you're not going to – especially on the road. Like, it's very difficult for any NBA team, no matter who you're playing, to win a road game, back-to-back, second leg. We know that to be true. But for the – and I think the Rockets have already shown that they're, they've taken the next step from where they were last year. Last year, they were cellar dwellers. This year, they're going to be around a 500 team, maybe a play-in team, playoff. Eh, we'll see. But for them to take that next step from being play-in, playoff fringe to like maybe top five in the Western Conference, these are the type of games you win because you're consistent throughout. The Rockets haven't had many uh, many defensive lapses. They've been pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. But for you to be one of the best, you have to be that all the time. You can't have a lapse in a a third quarter of of play against anybody where you allow the team to score 42 points. Like, a lot of people are like, well, Jalen Green blaming, which is fair. We'll we'll listen to some Jalen Green blaming. Uh, A lot of people talking about the the final possession. The offense hasn't been good. The offensive Mm -hmm. efficiency really hasn't been good all year uh, for the Rockets. They didn't play well in overtime, but if I had to say one reason they lost the game yesterday, you can't give up 42 points in a quarter of basketball. When you watch what happened in the third quarter, too, they were running a lot of high screen and roll for, for Mitchell, and they were trying to get the switch so that the big got on Mitchell so he could get whatever he wanted. When you saw that it was it was going to be something that they were going to keep going back to, that's where you got to take the defense to the next level. It's fine that you're, you're, you're pressuring as he crosses half court. It's fine that you're trying to identify... But when you see that they're going to run the same play more than once, you've got to have communication with your big and maybe someone else on the weak side to come help so that he you make it as tough as possible or you get him to stop and stall because two guys are on him until someone that's quicker can recover and get in front of him. And they just kind of just kept going through the motions going, well, I'm going to get picked here and Alpie or someone bigger is going to get stuck on Mitchell and we're going to just take our medicine and he's just going to keep nailing jump shots. 
it was weird that uh, there was some fourth quarter just like uh, meet MAs too, where there was there was one in particular with Jeff Green and Tari Easton, where it's like one of them switched, the other guy didn't. I don't really know whose fault it was, but they were like one of them was like, "Hey, my bad." So like miscommunication there. There was one instance where Dylan Brooks was yelling at Alpi. Uh, it looked again like a switch or some sort of coverage call that they are supposed to be complying with, and uh, it looked like Alpi didn't. Uh, so there were some MAs defensively yesterday that haven't been there, and especially in that third quarter, can't give a forty-two points expect to win in a uh, in a basketball game you brought up the the, uh, the point about who should be taking the final shot I, mm-hmm. I i personally didn't have an issue with the way they handled that final possession with a chance to win at the end of the fourth uh to me if i'm gonna go to alpi i'm gonna give i'm gonna put him in a position that he's not shooting a one-footed fadeaway with a guy in his face i'm gonna try and execute a play to some degree where there's options off of it and 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 van vliet is a guy that can can do those kind of things. I think that there was a better play to be drawn up than the play that they, if it wasn't even drawn up, or if just that what they decided to do. And I just thought that they could get a better look. See, I, I think that you should be going to your best offensive player in those spots, and I think Alpi's your best offensive player. If he's in the post and he's man, and he's got time to maneuver. I mean, he was in the post, shot a fadeaway jumper from the post. Yeah, like, but it was long. I mean, it was mid range jumper. Yeah, I didn't like where it ended up. To me, you give the ball to Alpi and you let him make the decision on like where to go with the ball, and they played they played a one on one. What was like, the final clock at when they, when they I think inbounded? It was like seven I seven thought seconds. it was like five seven, five point seven, or I think it was seven one. Okay, if it was that much time, then what I would expect is is that immediately you try and get him either on the elbow and in the low post, and then you've got uh, away-from-the-ball movement yeah. so that you've got a shooter somewhere that because you think at some point Cleveland's going to double down on him or try and get it out of his hands, and that's where you end up getting a clean look. I didn't think that was a clean enough look with that much time on the clock. No, like the spacing was not great. Like you had, uh, I think it was Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Green standing like in almost identical spots. Like they could have reached over and touched each other's hands. It's like, eh, hey, give me a little better spacing there. Because one one guy can defend both guys in, mm. in that situation. Yeah, they and they. I mean, Cleveland too, to their credit, they just didn't send help. They're like we, Jared Allen's one of our best defenders. We're just going to go straight up. And that's the other challenging thing too is like if, if you're Alping in that spot, it's difficult to try to penetrate whenever you have Jared Allen yeah. defending because you're usually not going to win that matchup. So he kind of settled for that fadeaway one-footed jumper. Uh, missed it. It almost went in. Like, it looked good. Like, it went halfway down and popped out. Yeah, no, look, for, for as much as I didn't like the shot, it did have a chance to go in. So at least you got that. You didn't. You got a clean look instead of, you know, some guy throwing a Hail Mary up there at the as the buzzer expired. But, you know, when you look at what they were trying to do, and the other thing that was puzzling to me, but maybe there was a message being sent. I know Jalen was on the floor late. But Jalen and Jabari were sitting for a majority of that fourth quarter. They were down a lot. And I don't know if that was just uh, Udoka sending another message or he liked the rhythm that these guys kind of got you back into to recover from the third quarter. Yeah, Jalen was uh, he was off the floor at the end of the fourth. And they brought him in and played the entire overtime period. Yeah. It's kind of odd there. I think Jabari was more about the uh, matchups. the matchups. Because Cleveland, to me, looked like they were playing four guards in one big. Yeah. So it's like you can't have Alpi and Jabari out there if the other team has four guards. So they went smaller with Eason. Well, all night long, Green. they were riding jump shooters that got hot, as yeah. well as the fact that between Mitchell and Struce got his, but um, who, uh, who's the, the, uh, the, the Sam the, Merrill from the, Utah State? So the guard that the Rockets were could have had in the trade with the Nets and then didn't. Um, oh, Levert. Yeah, Karis Levert. So they were running a lot of like penetration actions off of whoever had the ball in his hands and then setting up their shooters. And I think that in a lot of times the Rockets kind of fell asleep on that secondary defenses to make sure they were contesting jump shots and getting out into those passing lanes a little more. This guy, uh, 7557, uh, Rockets 
this is this is staggering. I didn't realize this. I knew it was. I didn't realize the exact number. I knew it was bad. I didn't realize it was this bad. Seven five five seven texted in. The difference between opponents' points per game at home and opponents' points per game on the road is not good for the Rockets. Uh, the Rockets are allowing on the road nearly one hundred and seventeen points a game. Ooh. At home, they're allow they're allowing under ninety eight points a game. I was going to say it was under hundred. Like. That's probably the signs of a young team, but at the same time, you got Fred Van Vliet, you got Dylan Brooks, you got Ime Adoka. Like, we, I, I started this whole thing off by taking that next step. The, the Rockets have already taken the step from cellar sure. dwellers up to, like, potential play-in, play-off team. Now what is it going to take for them to take the next step? And I'm not expecting this this year. Like, this is a process. This is a two-, three-, four-year process. But that's got to get better. You can't allow 117 points per game on the road and allow under 98 points per game at home and have any sort of consistency. No, that's absolutely right. And I think that part of it was defined by how bad they were to start the season and how they couldn't get a win on the road. And maybe that's because the numbers haven't evened out yet. But, yeah, I mean, you can't have the, you can't have that big of a letdown away from your own gym. I mean, if the if the system is there and everybody's getting it, then you're playing the same defense, doing the same things, home and road, and just the different color of your uniform that night should not matter. Yeah, no, it's that's got to get better. Like, second leg back-to-back, you can understand it on the second leg of back-to-back sometimes. Like, maybe, like, trying to make sense of it, but consistently over the entire year, that, that can't happen. I uh, think the other thing that we touched on that is going to become more and more evident as the season continues is they've got to get more help on the front line defensively. Uh, I just think that they're so small sometimes that they just get they get either muscled out and bullied out, or they just can't rebound well enough. Six seven six one for the stat for uh, for that stat to mean is something. You need to know what the league average for the variation between home and away. Okay, seven five five seven. Can you answer that text for me? Uh, I want you to answer six seven six one's text for the stat to mean something. Away. You need to know what the league average for the variation between home and away. So, what's the delta league average points per game home and away? And then tell me where the Rockets stack up on that, so you can answer six seven six one's text. Uh, Corey says it feels like Fred Van Vliet only starts taking over when they are down. That kind of bothers me. Fred Van Vliet just does not seem like a takeover player. Now, he played a, he had a good game yesterday. Offensively, was fantastic. I'm not sure that the Rockets really want Fred Van Vliet to ever be let's take over the game offensively type of guy. I, I think that he had a lot of conversations with Ime both before he signed up and then after he signed on. And I think that those discussions were very deep in the fact that they're not looking for him to be a takeover go-to guy. His main responsibilities, besides being a coach on the floor and obviously still getting you points, is to be the floor general and to make sure he's getting everybody involved. I think sometimes you'd like to see more because he can be so good offensively. But I think that his job in his conversations with Adoka have been, hey, look, I got to distribute. I got I to make sure these guys are doing what they need to do on both ends of the floor, and I got to put the guys in the right position so that they can score. I mean, he did. He was dropping some dimes yesterday, though. 17 assists. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of assists. But I think that he can be game. aggressive offensively from time to time because he's a good enough shooter. Yeah. I, another thing for them to take the next level, they're going to have to get better offensively. And if it's, you know, if it's with this team, you're, maybe it is Fred Van Vliet being a little bit more of the aggressor offensively. You would think it'd be Jalen Green taking the next step as a scorer. He hasn't even been as good of a scorer as he was last year. And... Like, Jabari's never going to be a guy who gets his own shot, I don't think. I don't think you're drawing up many plays for Jabari. Like, maybe every now and then you have him, you know, popping off a screen, catch and shoot three. But he's always going to be a guy that kind of finds a spot. Somebody else has to create that shot for him. Or he's going to have to get active on the offensive glass. Like, I like his shot. 
but he doesn't have the offensive creativity. I don't think he ever will uh, to be a guy where you're drawing up sets for him. No, but I think that overall, Jeremy, when you look at this offense, if we're to get better, I think that they might not have all the right pieces yet. I think that they need some shooters. I, I think that you got scores. I think you got guys. I don't like, think you have scores. I think you have. I think you I have think, some guys that can score. Van Vliet can score, yeah. but I think when you're relying on a Dylan Brooks or a Jabari or guys like that to be consistent making shots and scoring, they're not creators. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that they're capable of doing that. And the other thing is, you add another wrinkle to your offense if guys can create enough to force the defense to react. Now you do what Cleveland did. Now you just hit the shooter wide open yeah. with clean looks. See, I don't think you have much creativity. Like, I think Shingoon does it in a really creative way, in a very different way, unique way. Like, I think he's one of those guys. He's you, a facilitator. He can be. Yeah. He can also get his, though. Sure. But you can you can go through him offensively. You can go with him, yeah. to him in the post, and he's a good enough passer where you can beat teams that way. Jalen Green, you would hope, would become that guy. He has not yet to do that with Ime Adoka. See, that's the thing. Jalen's got the ability to do that, but when he gets into full-blown attack mode, it's to get his. He doesn't – I think he could get other guys involved a lot more than he does. When he has the ability to beat someone off the dribble and get into the paint, he's only thinking about finishing. The only only game that I would argue differently on that, I would agree with you most of the time. There was the game that Fred Van Vliet set out this year where, like, he was basically – he started a point guard. He's like the point, yeah. Because I think Holiday was out that game, too. No, Holiday, no, Holiday played. He played Amin back was up. out, though. Amin was out. So yeah. Jalen Green was like, he was almost the point guard for the entire game. And he had that huge third quarter where, like, he was scoring, he was dishing. And it's like, oh, man, that guy looks good. That's the only time we saw it all year. But that's, that, that's the, the sign of a guy that hasn't completely bought in. He doesn't understand the system enough to realize that when he's completely bought in, he will get his and he will have opportunities. But that's when it changes. When he gets into the paint and he understands, I'm going to get it to my teammate. Yeah. And there's going to be other times when someone else is going to be in a position, Alpi and otherwise, to get me in my spot to get mine. See, I don't know if I'm going to say like he doesn't have the buy-in. I think it's more he needs the ball. And like when he doesn't have the ball, like I think he becomes a little bit like rusty is a weird way oh, to say it. You've said but about also body like language. disinterested. Yeah, you've, showed, you've, you've pointed out the yeah. body language definitely goes negative when he isn't seeing the ball a lot. And there's a lot of guys like that. But I just think that he hasn't completely bought into the fact that he believes if I kick that ball out, there's going to be other times that I'm going to get it kicked to me and I'm still going to have opportunities. He believes that because he's always been trained that way in AAU and everything that he's been through with the G League, that once I get the ball, I got to score. I think it's more of a rhythm thing than buy-in. Uh, you think it's more buy-in? We'll agree to disagree. Hopefully, whatever he does, he gets it figured out. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Uh, so I was looking at the the, the deficiency rating, defensive efficiency ratings. The Rockets are second in the NBA at home. They are 19th in the NBA on the road. It is by far the largest gap good. of any team yeah, in that's the not, NBA. Yeah, that's not league-wide. That's that's a Rockets problem. Yeah, they, they are getting it – uh, you can tell across the league that like it is it is higher on the road, but the Rockets is a crazy difference. So their delta, you said second to 19? Yeah. It's like 17. Yep. What is the uh, – what's the Bucks? The Bucks. Are where's Milwaukee? Milwaukee it's in is, Wisconsin. Milwaukee is their twentieth overall, so theirs are, isn't really good either. But theirs are almost the same. Like their deficiency, their defensive efficiency rating is a one point one zero eight at home. It's a one point one four nine on the road, so it's not that different. But that, you know what that you know what that is? That's the Drew Holiday effect because Dame doesn't play defense like Drew Holiday. They had they had some guys last year that would actually defend. They were a really good defensive team, and they've sacrificed their defense to get more offense. 
7557 got back to me. He said, Brian, I'm asking you a lot, man. I'm driving home. I cannot find the info quickly for the other texture. Going to need some time and a calculator. Just let us know whenever yeah, you whenever have you get a chance. And stop texting when you're driving. I'm going to have to call Hollingsworth Law Firm for you. 713-780-ESPN. Let's get to some NFL would-you-rathers. Like, who would you rather have a future bet on to win the Super Bowl? Who would you rather have, Caleb Williams or Justin Fields next year? Mm. 713-780-3776 if you want to give us your would-you-rathers. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, look, with every passing day, you're closer to the holidays and you're further away from getting your shopping done, especially for your significant other. And that's why I'm here to help because you don't want to get, as we start running down the countdown clock and you're getting into the fourth quarter of time before the holidays, you don't want to sit there and battle the malls and the crowds and find parking and try to figure it all out quickly. Then you got to wrap it and have everything ready for, for, for the Christmas season. All you got to do is go to pajamagram.com because if your significant other uh, is someone that really means something to you. You go and get the nude, naturally nude-looking pajama gram pajamas. She's going to love them. They are soft to the touch. They feel like second skin. They hug her curves, and she loves wearing them. But if she wears them for you, you're going to love them too. And the fact of the matter is, if you get them now, and they do run out for the holidays, so you need to kind of get on this. But if you go to pajamagram.com and get the naturally nude pajamas, they're going to throw in right now a special two-for-one offer. Well, they'll throw in the naturally nude nightgown as well. Now it's a two-for-one deal. Now you love it because you're actually saving money and getting a great deal. She's going to love it because she's going to love how they look and feel. She's going to wear them for you. It's a gift that keeps on giving. And the holidays are going to be merry and bright. That's why you would do it. But also, they're going to wrap it for you if you want them to. You tell them to, they wrap it for you. They get it there before Christmas. You don't have to go to the mall. You don't have to do anything extra, and you look like a hero in your household, not just for the holidays, but all season long. These pajamas aren't going anywhere after the holidays. So you know what? The more she wears them, the more she wears them for you, and the more fun you guys have and the more enjoyment this holidays and all year long. Check them out today, pajamagram.com. Get that two-for-one deal. Check out the naturally nude pajamas and get the naturally nude nightgown for free. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. All right. NFL Would You Rathers. We can... Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent news story. Stop what you're doing and listen. Uh, It's not good because it probably means C.J. Stroud's not playing this weekend. They've claimed a quarterback. They have signed a quarterback. They have signed Tim Boyle, former Jets starting quarterback. Former Packers backup quarterback. Yep. Oh, boy. (sighs) Is there a corresponding roster move? Now, uh, this is practice squad, so this could be just insurance policy. Yeah, that's, a, that's but what it's, I was asking. It's also, it doesn't, they're also, but it means they're not 100% sure. Oh, for sure. At a minimum of that, It, yes. it means they're at minimum. I'm going to steal that as I draft up my tweet here. Yeah, it means they're not 100% sure CJ Stroud can play someday. Absolutely. I don't think any of us were either, but I think this solidifies the fact that maybe there's a greater chance he doesn't play. And that they're covering their bases and making sure they got another quarterback in the building. But that's not good. I mean, he saw symptoms. I told you that caught my eye. It's early, but yeah, it's not good. Mm. Tim Boyle, too. I'd rather have Tim Tebow. Tim Boyle sucks. I would have loved Tim Tebow. I'd rather have Tim Tebow. Is he he still trying to play baseball? No, No, that's over. He's done with all that? He's just going to the SEC network? He's just keeping up his 
He's a really, rarely on there. I think he's a motivational speech kind of guy these days. He does. I know he makes some appearances on SEC Network yeah. and blah, blah, blah. He did a lot more on game day until this year. Yeah, they've changed the way that they do game day. Yep. Hmm. Might want to change Lee Corso. Yeah, he's not good. Mm-mm. All right, seven one. That's weird. That, that's. I don't have a good feeling about Stroud on Sunday. I don't either. I mean, I gave. I, I mean, I think I kind of tipped my hand with those hints. Like, still has symptoms. Texans working out quarterbacks. They've now signed a practice squad quarterback that they can elevate and make their emergency third quarterback. Like, they can elevate him, make him the emergency third. He's not even taking an active roster spot. So it might be better right. that they got Boyle instead of the guy that they claimed, but they didn't claim him because somebody else beat them. The Patriots did. For this, sure. this feels bad with Stroud. For sure, but I think that you have to be conserv- hyper-conservative when you're talking about C.J. Stroud, when you're talking about a guy that you've got to pro- you got to be overly protective of because it's so early in his career and you, you don't want this to be a lingering thing. It sucks because you're tied for the division lead, but I think it's leaning really hard in the direction of Case Keenum starting another another week. Yeah, I wish I don't hate because I was kind of to the. I mean, I said this last week. I wouldn't mind if I wouldn't mind if the Texans didn't play C.J. Stroud again until they lost a game. Like you win, you win against Tennessee. It buys you another week. It buys you another week for C.J. Stroud to get healthy. C.J. Stroud's folk, like head is the focus, the focal point. you got to make sure it's healthy going forward. So I wouldn't have played C.J. Stroud again until they lose a game, which might be end up what's happening. Yeah, and that's why I'm talking about the fact that you've got to border on hyper-cautious with C.J. You just can't take any risks. And, oh, by the way, you not only won a game, but you actually gained ground in the division. Now you're tied for the lead. You're in an even better position than you were going into the game, and you're going to be at home. Uh, I'm fine riding with, with and, and Cleveland doesn't have this monster offense, so I'm fine with riding with Kate Case for another week. They do have the number one defense in the NFL. Oh, the, the, well, that's a different story. Their seven, defense is tough. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Give us some NFL. Would you rather seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six? I got some for you guys. Would you rather have a Super Bowl future bet on Baltimore or Miami? Baltimore. That was quick. I, I don't believe Miami. That- <laughs> I don't. I, I think Baltimore is a more complete team. Joe's all over the place. Joe Joe thought the Bills are going to win the AFC East, and now he's picking Miami over Baltimore. I, I just look at that and say the Dolphins' defense has been pretty disappointing for as and they spent money and they went out and tried to improve their defense too. Now their offense has been impressive, and when they're clicking and they're rolling, they're tough to stop. But I don't think their defense has proven to me that they should they should put fear in anybody's hearts per se. Whereas I look at Baltimore and say, look, we've talked about how good their defense is. Lamar's having an MVP season offensively. Their receivers are better, but they're capable of beating you in a lot of different ways. I think it's a more complete team in Baltimore. I'd go Baltimore over Miami. I just know that Baltimore doesn't win in the playoffs. You're right, they don't. That's what's hard. I'm an offense over defense guy. I think offenses win championships. Defenses do not. I think it's an antiquated thought and saying. So I'll go Miami on that one. Would you rather have an NFL Super Bowl future bet on... Detroit or Dallas? I think Dallas is a more a, a, a more well-rounded team this season. I, I think that when you look at the future, I, I think Detroit's still shaping up right. I don't trust Jared Goff. I haven't. I, I think there, there there's still work to be done with the, the Lions secondary and and what they're trying to build. But I think Dallas is a is a fairly complete roster, and I would say Dallas over Detroit right now. Joe Dallas. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go Detroit. I'm going to go Detroit. Look, Jared Goff's on a heater. Five touchdowns in one game. Their firepower offensively is good enough. And they have a better defense than Dallas, I think. 
Well, they've been really inconsistent. They, they've kind they of really, been inconsistent. For the last month, they've I really think fallen off. Higher. They were, they were out. They just won by like forty points the other day. Yeah, they finally did. But before that, they were getting they were getting worked. They're getting hot at the right time. What did Dallas? Joe's Bears worked them. Would you rather have Caleb Williams or Justin Fields? I'm gonna take Caleb Williams. Joe, I hate you. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, because of the contract you have to pay Justin. My answer is Caleb. I'm gonna this. I'm gonna go with this texture set. I'll go with. Justin Fields and the return of what you would get for the pick that would draft Caleb Williams. But like the problem but, is, but at like, some point he's got to throw the football. He he can just not consistently. Right. I just it's twenty million dollars for Justin Fields if you if you pay him. Yeah. Is it up problem. at the end of the year? Yeah, he's gonna his fifth year option is gonna be twenty three million dollars. That's a lot of money. And then you have to give him what at worst or maybe at best the Daniel Jones contract. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love the idea of Justin Fields, Marvin Harrison, Brock Bowers, DJ Moore, and just like going like all the way in with the new OC. But like I'm officially draft quarterback. Should have hired Steichen. He would have been really good for Fields. No, they hired that bum Matty. Would you rather have Will Anderson or Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporte, and a late first round pick next year? This is easy for me. The answer is Will Anderson. Over so you've, you've been Jameer pro Will Anderson Sam the whole time. Late first round pick next year? If Jonathan Grenard... You just had seven sacks without Will Anderson on the field. I know, but I don't think you're keeping Grenard. So, if you didn't have if you didn't have Will Anderson, yeah. you're losing Grenard I think you would agency. keep Grenard if you didn't have Anderson, though. Possibly. Because they would, would the priority would be more important. Yeah, but like you can't control it. You could franchise him, I guess. Yeah, I'm you cur- can control it a bit. I'm curious what you would say. Uh, I would take the latter. Because, I would take I would take Gibbs Laporte in a first next so, year. And that is why I was curious because yeah. if, if you're going to stay consistent with the, the, the conversation being offenses defense is antiquated and offense wins the you know wins you bigger game, I, I think that that's what you're supposed to do. Could you imagine those guys around CJ Stroud? You I have know. the number one offense in the NFL for the next decade. It's, yeah, yeah it, you have them for a long time. That's for, for the sure. next decade. It's hard to say that, but like the idea of having to get two pass rushers if you lose if you lose him in free agency is is a tough hill to battle. Yeah. I feel like you can get another running back and a tight end. All right. Maybe the running back. Tight ends are a little tougher to find. This guy says, would you rather watch Thursday Night Football in person or at home? At home. Because I can I rather, turn it off. I'd rather watch it in person. I would rather watch it at home because I, 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 I like watching the games at home anyway because you get more camera angles and the replays and all that stuff. But the fact is, is until the NFL schedule makers make the Thursday Night schedule better, Thursday Night Football has sucked. And I can turn it off and find something else to watch. If it sucks, and in most times the matchup alone is not motivating me to want to watch a whole lot of it. Yeah, I'd rather watch Thursday night at, at, in in person because uh, there's no other games I'm missing out on. All right, that does it for our NFL Would You Rather. Cash them or trash them? What are you cashing? What are you trashing? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Prepare for overreaction on my mark. It's that time of the week. Where overreactions are not only welcome, they're celebrated. They say Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time, but he never fought Cassius Clay. It's Cashem or Trashem with the Killer Bees. This is your hot take. Hmm. Give us a hot spoonful of your opinion. All right, he's blank on Brandon. Let's cash him or trash him. What are you cashing? What are you trashing? 713-780-ESPN. What do you have for us, Blankers? I think the first one that came to my mind watching the game last night is that the Rockets should already be having dialogue for with other teams about what they could get for Jalen Green and Jabari Smith. I think that they need to get better, and I think in order to get better, it's going to have to be externally. And I think that 
seeing at this point in the season those two guys sitting in the fourth quarter made me start thinking that maybe they should start at least shopping and seeing what the value might be. Yeah, I don't feel like either one's at their peak value, so that's where I hesitate to this. Like, Jalen, I think, had more value last year than he does right now. Um, I think Jabari didn't play because he was more matchup-based uh, than anything else. And I like Jabari's game. Good rebounder, good three-point shooter. I think he's a really good role player. The, the fear that I have of trading those two guys is if you trade those two guys for, like, a dude that's 29, 30 years old, I think it lowers your ceiling and it decreases your chances of winning an NBA championship. See, I think that there's so much youth that you still have Tari Eason. You still have uh, Amen Thompson. You've still got a lot, and you don't have to trade both of them. You could trade just one of them. Mm-hmm. But I would just at least have conversations to see what the value is because I'm not sure. Yeah, I'll, I will cash that they should at least have conversations to see the value. I will trash that they should trade them, though. Trash. Either one of them. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, well, both of them right now are their peak value. I don't like selling guys when they're low. I think it's a I bad, think I think it's bad practice. value is actually higher than it was a year ago. Getting, getting double doubles and and feeling a little bit more confident within his highest values when he got drafted. Well, there's no doubt about that. But I think last year was a lot of people were questioning a lot of things with him, and then he got more consistent this year. Yeah, he's just, he doesn't really have much offensive creativity. He's kind of catch and shoot, play D, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I just don't know how much demand he would have, Joe. I'm going to cash the idea of talking to people. I'm going to trash the idea trash. of trading Jabari. I'll cash the idea of trading Jalen. Okay. I think you can still get real value for him in a trade. Okay. All right. Uh, did you see what Rashard Mendenhall said? He said, I'm yeah. sick of average white guys commenting on football. Uh, y'all not even good at football. Can we please replace the Pro Bowl with an all-black versus all-white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? I'm better than your goat. Well, you're not better than Christian McCaffrey. You're not better than Tom Brady. But I do love this idea from Richard Mendenhall. I love this idea so much I started thinking about how Vegas would handicap this game. I have this as the all-black team being favored by 24 points. Cash or trash that if we followed Rashard Mendenhall's idea and instead of a Pro Bowl, we had what Rashard Mendenhall wants us to do, the all-black team versus an all-white team, that the all-black team will be favored by 24 points. I would think that the margin would be less. I, I'm not a big fan of the conversation, but I think that... Why? Because... I, you know, someone's going to take it too far with the race relations in well, this. That's on them. But I think that when I started just thinking about the roster, I think that I, I think that that there's really good. You could put a really good team together to where on both sides to where it would be more competitive. I, I could see this being eight to ten point spread. Ooh, that's light. I think it's twenty four. Now there are some questions about like which team does Pat Mahomes play for? I think because it's their choice. He's half. Hmm? That's their choice. Is it? Is it their choice? I think so. Well, or you know, with the the male dominant gene, is that sexist? Yes, Maybe? it's a sexist remark to a racist conversation. It's not a ra- it's I mean, very it's true. A, it's very, very one hundred percent a racist. See, he's he's think, absolutely right. I think you let them choose what side they want to be. Okay. On. My question is like, what happens to like? Do the Polynesian players just get left out? That's another really good question. Does Miami Fairburn see, not get to kick? See, I think you should have a draft of the unsures. That's that's good like, call. If you had like Pat Mahomes, you mentioned something like Tua. Like the like anyone that you have question marks about, you should have a draft yeah. for those guys. Now, why I think it's going to be twenty four points? Who's playing safety? 
Who, who, what's Who's your secondary? <laughs> your secondary is atrocious. You're going to have a secondary of ball boys that are trying to defend Tyreek Hill, that are trying to defend Justin Jefferson, that are trying to defend Chase, that are trying to defend Devontae Adams, that are trying to defend Tank Dell. Your secondary is going to be... Do you think Tank Dell's on that team? <laughs> <laughs> Go Kooks. Uh, your, your secondary is going to be just the absolutely corners destroyed. are the biggest problem. You can find some safety. Who? Name them. Oh, the, the the Eagles guy, uh, Blankenship? Yeah. Yeah. There, uh, good luck. Well, well, what's his name? Smith from the Vikings is, he's not in his heyday as much as he was, but he's been what's, tough. What's Jason Seahorn up to these days? I, I, Will Compton. Andrew Harmon. Will Compton said Christian McCaffrey's got to play both ways. He's got to play, I watched that <laughs> he's with him. Got, he's got to play safety. He, he also said we're going to have to get that guy from Iowa that's still playing. He's going to get yeah, promoted he's up gonna to the league. He's going to get called up. Yeah. They, I, think that's, I think it's a 24-point spread. I, I think that the number's right. I'm going to cash it because points. the white team has no corners or safety. Yeah, the it's white like, team can score, though. The white team's got a good offense. Yeah, but like it's going to have to be a seventy to sixty three victory. It was, it's going to be a shootout, and like the white team's defensive line ain't bad. Well, the middle of the defensive line, I'm not sure how good they are, but they have some, some Watt, pass rushers. You got Watt, you got Hutchinson, you got the Boses. Yeah, you got both Boses. You got some pass rushers. You got Crosby. Yeah, like you got some pass rushers, but your yeah, interior is not yeah. great. And I you probably get some linebackers. I think they're going to be in a fourteen set most of the time. You're going to have you know <laughs> yeah. Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, but you're going to have. You know, Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, Sam Laporta, <laughs> all on the field at one time. Yeah. They're tight. They have all the tight ends. <laughs> yeah. No no wide receivers besides Cooper Cup. They really but don't. But, like, have you have all the stuff. tight ends. So yeah. You're good. <laughs> all right. What are you cashing or trashing? Uh, cash or trash, Jim Crane is going to sell the Astros. Oh, Joe. This isn't my take. This is one that's floating around Twitter. I don't like that you just brought this up for that. different reasons, actually. Oh, no. Did I spoil something? Look at the rundown. <laughs> oh, no. No, it's not on the rundown. It might have been tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm trashing this. Jim Crane has had too, too much success. He enjoys being a sports owner as opposed to uh, a, a very successful and aggressive just business owner or biz- owner of several businesses. Uh, I just I, I don't see him selling this team anytime soon. He just it's unfortunate that again it's another situation where the fan base is questioning ownership, and you're, you you are letting that window kind of close a little bit if you get to be too conservative. I don't. Uh, I'm kind of torn on this. The way that he's acting, it's not that like he's selling this team. Like he's building up this Astroville. Like he's looking at long term plans. Like his son is in the business staff of this organization. Does he want to leave his son with the team, or does he want to leave his son with tons of money? Like I think it's more. I think it's like more lasting if it's the team versus if it's this huge like you know trust fund. At the same time, I think he's annoyed with this whole regional sports network thing. Like he had I don't to buy them. Understand why they did it? What do you mean? Why they, they didn't did it? have to do it? I think they did. They did. Warner Brothers was going to drop them. Well, but the net. But I think that there. I think that there's going to be a conglomerate. I think there's going to be some businesses that are going to look to to snatch up some of the entities to where someone else could have bought it. But but if they didn't do it right away, their games weren't going to be on TV. Like they can mm. now. They can sell. They can still sell the shin to whoever wants to buy it. Right. But if you didn't buy this, you're at risk of your games not being on television. You could find an over the air deal that short term could get you through. Because mm. right right now it looks bought, like you bought into if the, the numbers are correct and I know the numbers weren't great when I was working for the Rockets and saw some of the the back and forth with all the, what was all in the pot. The fact of the matter is, if you bought in and to a, a lose twenty mil plus situation a year, 
That's not a smart business decision by some pretty smart business guys. I mean, I, I, maybe they bought it. They felt like they were buying it for pennies on the dollar. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like you would know about this better than I would. Yeah, I, I, but I, I don't think he likes the whatever whatever the case may be. I don't think he loves the current situation with the television thing. I I, I was surprised if the numbers are correct that I saw floating out there that they bought they bought the network that you could find short term you could find a solution with somebody else. And, and and making make some money as opposed to taking that big of a loss. Well, maybe maybe they feel like they're taking the loss here because they feel like they can sell it for greater in the future, Hope and it's a right. long term play as opposed to a short term play. Because I because don't really they, see it. Like, who are you going to go local? I don't think any of the local television stations have enough money to like buy the rights to the Astros. Yeah, like what would what would the over the air stuff look like? I think over the air to be would be that you could even if you could go to a straight rights deal where you just you just or you just buy the time. You could do a straight time buy and you buy the time. And I believe your sales from an Astros perspective. Oh, WB39 would be all over this because they don't worry about news and network programming. They're already trying to get you into the college football and basketball mode. and They're trying to turn a corner into sports. Mm. They'd be all about giving you the time. And in the short term, you could sell it and make the profit you need to stay stay afloat until you find a better deal for your team. I feel like uh, they need to find some good salespeople who sell a bunch of ads over there. Yeah, the, the five diamond group teams, which includes the Rangers, are working on a deal with Amazon currently. They should uh, they should do what the MLS did. Go Apple. Go Apple. One giant local rights deal. I think yeah. I think that's the way to go. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Let's go to the HRP listener line for our final cash em or trash em. Pena, you're in the hive. What's our final cash em or trash em today? Hey, what's going on, guys? So my cash em or trash em for y'all is, um, excuse me, sorry. The the Texans have a better the, the future looks better. Than the Astros or, or, and uh, Rockets. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. What did Pena say? The Texans the future, future is better yeah. than the Rockets and the Astros. Cash or trash or blankers? I mean, define future. Next five years. Next five years. Are we talking about like playoffs, like the depth that they go? How are you to define success? Okay. I'm going to. I'm going to trash this simply because of the Astros. Trash. Because I don't think the window is closed yet, and I still think their roster is good enough that they can win one more World Series and that they have a good enough team that we've seen it year in, year out. Things can fall your way. I think the Astros in the next five years have one more run at a title, and I think that the Texans got some competition to deal with in the AFC. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be fun watch. I just don't think that the probability is there as strongly for them as it would be for the, the Astros. I'm going to trash it, too, because of the Astros. Trash. Because of the Astros? I'm going to cash it. Okay. Because I think this is, right now, my belief is this is the Astros' last chance to win a World Series in 2024. This year. Mm. They're not going to bring anyone back, man. Like, I don't know. Sorry, right. bi- sorry, Billy Wagner's son doesn't inspire me to think the Astros are going to go to the World Series in 2025. There you go. He's going with the Texans. All right, that's it for Cash em or Trash em. Uh Speaking of the Texans, are the Texans building a powerhouse? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Most bees make honey. These Killer Bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. He's blank. I'm Branham. 713-780-ESPN. Some people on the uh, all-black, all-white conversation, they're, they're posing questions about the all-black team special teams. Who would they got kick? a punter. They do have a punter. From the Steelers. Has there ever been a black deep snapper in the NFL? 
Yes, for sure. Are you sure? I'm pretty confident. I can't think of one but ever. Also, you could just take a, a normal center. I don't think they would ever kick. I was going to say, who's the kicker? I don't think they would ever. I, I guess why you have to do a I draft, think, and their first pick has to be Kymie Fairbairn. They would just draft Kymie Fairbairn. No, yeah. they, they would draft Kymie Fairbairn over Pat Mahomes because they need a kicker. I mean, they have Lamar Jackson. Like, you have plenty of options at quarterback. I don't think they would ever kick, for what it's worth. But, I mean, I guess they'd be kicking off an extra point. They could go for two. They could use uh, They could use Dare. That's a good point. A good and Justin line. Reed. They could have a competition. Ooh. There you go. I think I, I don't, can't I, use I don't, a tee. I don't think they'd be kicking. Justin Reed can kick the crap Why out of it. Why can't you use a tee? tee? Well, I'm saying on the kickoffs and stuff you can, but I mean for the place kicking you can. Dari hit a big field goal for the Texans this year. He did. He had a huge, huge field goal. Uh, Albert Breer writes for SI. Uh, Case Keenum, after the game the other day, he said that uh, to the, the sideline reporter that he feels like the Texans top to bottom are one of the best teams in the NFL. And Albert Breer wrote in his story today that, or it's actually yesterday, he said that that, that caught his ear, that, that that made his, you know, it caught his interest. So he said he got Case Keenum on the phone, I'm sure through the PR team, and he wanted to ask him. He wanted to ask him, like, why do you think that? Uh, and Case Keenum's answer was, I think it starts with CJ. Man, I'll be honest, I think he's got a chance to be one of the best of all time. I really do. That's high praise. Yeah. Uh, he said, I think he's a generational talent. I'll say that again. Man, that dude is a dog. Great vision, great pocket awareness, is athletic, can move, can make any throw on the field, strong throws, touch throws, and he's a great leader. He's young, but I mean he's mature for his age, and the whole quarterback room in general can play. I'm confident in myself. I'm confident in Davis. We all know how brilliant Case Keenum is. He's, he went to one of the you know highest level of educational institutions in the country. So hearing a guy that that is, is this intelligent in Case Keenum talk about C.J. Stroud this way, it's pretty it's pretty special. Like it's high praise. Like it, he says he has a chance to be a generational talent, one of the best of all time. Like Case has seen some quarterbacks. He played with Josh Allen last sure uh, last year. You love him. Uh, yeah, he's just I, I like Josh Allen's. I think he's incredibly talented. I just think he's makes tons of turnovers. Like I think he's incredible talent, but he makes too many mistakes. He makes too many turnovers. That's why I feel about Josh Allen. But to hear Keenum say this about C.J. Stroud's pretty incredible. And then Albert Breer's headline, it says on Albert Breer's headline in SI, NFL Week 15 takeaways, the Texans are building a powerhouse. So I'll pose the question to you, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Are the Texans building a powerhouse? I think that I, I I don't know how you define. But I think they're building a really good, sustainable roster that's going to be a playoff team for a, quite a while. I I think the five to seven year window is not out of the realm of possibilities. I think that because we've waited so long to get it right at the quarterback position, rightfully so, you start with the quarterback. But when you just look at some of all how the pieces have gelled, how the system has made other pieces better, like Singletary, like Cashman, guys like that. It makes you believe in a lot of ways that the system is going to allow you to find other kind of guys like that that can plug and play. But when you look at what's on the roster already and and the talent on both sides of the football, I think it's easy to say that they could be a powerhouse in the NFL for the next five to seven years. I think that they have the makings. Like a lot of things have to go right in order for, and like when you think powerhouse, like you're talking some lofty expectations. Like, Saying the Texans are building a powerhouse right now is like Ben Ryder in 2015 putting the Astros on the SI cover and saying that they're going to be the 2017 World Series champions two years prior. So, like, having this kind of proclamation about a young team that really hasn't accomplished anything mm-hmm. yet, like, they've turned it around, uh, they've righted the ship to an extent. 
but they haven't really accomplished a single thing yet. They have a franchise quarterback that looks like he can be really, really good, but he yet he hasn't done a whole lot yet. He hasn't even completed his rookie year, and right now he's banged up. Um, they have a first-year head coach that, as a head coach, hasn't accomplished anything yet. The Houston Texans in 2023 haven't done anything yet. They've won eight games. They might go 0-3 the next three weeks and go 8-9 and, and miss the playoffs and still be a sub-500 team. So, like, they haven't accomplished a single thing yet. So, say that the Texans are building a powerhouse, Albert Breer saying that, is a bold proclamation. It is a huge hot take. It's very similar, in my opinion, to Ben Ryder saying that the Astros are going to win the World Series in two years whenever they were lousy in 2015. I will say that they have the makings. And and to me, it starts with where Case started with. Because you have to, for me, you have to have two things. You got to have a good head coach. And I think D'Amico is a good head coach. Uh, There's some things that we question about D'Amico, which you're going to do that with every NFL coach. And then you have to have the quarterback. And then that's what you start building around. I think that they have both. And I also like some of the young players around him. I love Tank Dell, obviously. You flip it over to the defensive side. I like Will Anderson. You know, I like Derek Stingley. Whenever he's on the field, he's really good. Christian Harris is starting to come into his own. Not great in coverage, but he's really good at attacking the ball carrier. Uh, Jalen Petrie, D'Amico said he had his best game. So, like, the makings are there. Now, are they building a powerhouse? they got to hit on a lot of things. They have to hit on free agency. They have to con- hit, continue to hit on their draft picks. They have to avoid the injury bug. So I think that the makings are there, but I can't say that the Texans are in the process of this giant powerhouse being built. But I think that when you think about it from a positive side, that, that it very well could be that they're building a powerhouse. You think about it's a pass-happy NFL, and you've got a go-to receiver that is, that is electric in Tank Dell. You look at the defensive side of the football, and you've got a hyper-talented Will Anderson. You've got the guys that you mentioned. And so you know that you already have a multitude of players. It's not just CJ or it's not just D'Amico. It's the building of the entire offense and defense to know that you are the youngest team in the NFL. You're not in cap hell. You didn't give away a majority of your draft picks like the Rams did when they were selling out to go for it and then had years and years where you're looking at it going, what the hell do you do now? They're in a situation where they can get help in a variety of different ways for the areas that they need to improve in while already having more than just quarterback and coach and, a, and, a, and one more guy here or there. There's a ton of young talent on this roster that tells you in a, it's not going to – whether they make the playoffs or not this year, I still would feel this way because of what I've seen go from a, a bunch of fighting Rex Burkheads to a roster that's the youngest and maybe one of them filled with some of the best young talent in this league – knowing there's more to come, more from the draft. There's money to spend. There's opportunities where, it, in, a, in quick fashion, you can make this team, like you were talking about, take that next step, take that next big step to where you're competitive every single year for the foreseeable future, and I think they're close. 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Andy, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up? Yeah, I, yeah, I think they're on their way big time. And, and the reason is, how many new starters do we have on offense? Is it like seven? Let's see, Juice, and do you count Tank? You, you just go by position. Left guard's one. You mentioned Juice. Center is one by default. That's two. Right. Shaq Mason's three. Uh, Titus should have been your right tackle, so I'm not going to count that. Your top two receivers are um, Tank. Yes, I would count Tank. That's four. Nico is already here. Right. Schultz is five. CJ six. Singletary. And then Singletary, Singletary. seven. Yeah, so seven. Seven, and, okay. seven of your 11-ish. Yeah, let's just let's just add two more next year, either in their first or second draft pick, or one in free agency, and then think about defense. 
Let's add two to three starters, maybe just two more starters. Just add four real good starters next year, and this team is going to be double-digit winner. Heck, they may be a double-digit winner this year. Appreciate the call, Andy. Look, the biggest challenge you're going to have is what we talked about, was it yesterday, where it's not just adding, it's not letting guys walk away. Because you're right now you're looking at that from Andy's perspective, but you're, you're counting Grenard. You're counting Stevie Nelson. You're counting guys that Cashman. You're counting guys that have been a big part of what they've been able to accomplish defensively, and now you have to start questioning, am I counting them in the future? Because you don't know. Yeah, you can keep adding, but subtraction is going to kill you too because these guys are getting setting themselves up for greener pastures because of the fact that they played so well here, and you're going to have to pay to keep them. But the, the next few years should be more addition than subtraction because mm-hmm. your better players, for the most part, are on rookie deals, So and you have tons of cap space, and you still have a decent amount of draft capital. So to, to his point, you should be able to add a couple of starters in free agency. I think a first-round draft pick should be an automatic starter. I think a second-round draft pick should be a starter as well. Maybe a third, maybe a fourth. Like, if you get one starter from the third through seventh round that's a win, first and second rounders should be starters from day one. So, yeah, they could potentially add four more starters based on salary, uh, salary cap space, and then the draft as well. 713-780-ESPN. Are, are the Texans building a powerhouse? Albert Breer thinks so. Do you think so? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.